All right, if you've brought your Bibles this morning, we're going to turn to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, chapter 11. I'm going to read a little bit of chapter 11 and then into chapter 12 as well. We'll start Isaiah 11 and we'll read verses 1 through 10. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious." And over to chapter 12. In that day, you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9 as we uh, read the story. It's called the the Transfiguration, the time when Jesus took three of his disciples and was transfigured before them, took them to a remote place, to a mountain, and uh, we will try and, and draw a lesson for today out of that event in the life of Jesus and his disciples. Luke chapter 9 and verse 28. Luke chapter 9, and we'll begin reading there at verse 28. Luke writes, about eight days after Jesus said this, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men 
Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But he didn't know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. <clears throat> Do you remember some of those special times in your life? Maybe it was a vacation that you took with your family. Maybe you took that vacation as an adult, or maybe you did it as a child. You know, that vacation where everybody got along, that vacation where the weather was absolutely gorgeous, where the facilities were just fabulous, where the food was great. Some of you are laughing like, how, ah, when does that ever happen? <laughs> but maybe, maybe you've had an experience like that. Oh, if you could just bottle that and make it last, right? Or, you know, maybe your special experience was the first crush you had, right? Remember that? You know, your first boyfriend, your first girlfriend, holding hands for the first time, that first kiss. Whew. If you could only go back there and make that last. But now, now you're married to someone who makes rude noises and leaves a mess in the bathroom, right? Yeah. Or, or maybe it was like for me, it would be the perfect motorcycle trip. No rain, no breakdowns, no hassles, no getting lost, gorgeous scenery, great people, fantastic camping. We've had some of those. If only you could make that last. But you know when you're coming home to Nippuan that this is an artificial time of life. If you had to live like that, you'd be sick and tired of it. Right? Or maybe it was that retreat you went to. You know, the, the retreat that was so encouraging or uplifting and worshipful and inspiring and the speaker related directly to you. People accepted you and helped you and validated you. Yeah, it was great food, great fun, great fellowship. And if we could only make that last. We call those mountaintop experiences. Sort of like what happened to Jesus and his three disciples. It had never happened before, and it never ever happened again. It was a once-in-a-lifetime event, and you couldn't duplicate it if you wanted to. But oh, if you could bottle that and sell it, you would probably make millions. The reality of life is that the mountaintop is a wonderful experience. You have those special events in your life and they're wonderful experiences, but you can't make them last. The mountaintop gives a great experience, but life gets lived in the valleys. And I want to cover some facts of life with you this morning. You know these already, but let me just remind you. One of the facts of life is that life has its ups and downs. 
And if you read into the story, it says eight days after this happened, uh, Luke starts writing, eight days after Jesus said this. What's Jesus talking about? You will find this story in, in all of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in all of those gospels, you will find what Jesus had been talking about during previous to this was the fact that he was going to die. And his disciples didn't want to really want to hear about it, and he told them, by the way, you need to die to yourself too. You need to take up your cross and follow me. And they had been chewing on that for the last six or eight days. And I wonder, like what had those guys, I don't know what happened in those six or eight days. We don't have, we don't have the, that part of the story but they'd probably been thinking about us remember these boys were thinking messianic expectations Jesus is going to come and restore the kingdom to Israel life is going to smile they read Isaiah just like we did this morning in that day Isaiah says the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the nations and all the nations will stream to it. And in that day, the bear will lie down with the cow and the lion's going to eat straw like an ox and the child's going to put his hand in, in, the, in the nest of the vipers and play with little snakes. And, but anyway, you know, and, and, and they read Isaiah just like we did. And they were expecting Jesus to come and do that. Now he's talking about dying and death to self. That really doesn't, oh boy, that didn't sound all that good. And they've been chewing on this for the last number of days. The reality for you and me is that we live life in what's called a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned, and I was thinking about that this week, I thought, man, Lord, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? Adam and Eve sinned, and, and the Bible says that all of creation is groaning. All of creation is waiting for God to set it straight. All of creation is waiting for the lion to and the lamb to lay down together. And the little child will lead them. There's a movie on, uh, a little video on the internet here the last couple of days. I don't know if you saw it, but it was about a family dog playing with a young kangaroo. They were having a wonderful time. But you know, that's the way God, when, when God made it, everybody got along. There was none of this eating each other's business. But right now, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where where. The creation, Bible says, is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, and we live with disease and defects and aging and decrepitude and death. And the wonderful reality of our medical system only delays the inevitable. I need this heart surgery. A hundred years ago, they would have told, I don't know if they would have even known about it. They would have said, like, take it easy and die. But the inevitable is is going to happen like whether or not I have the surgery I'm going to die unless the Lord comes back right but in the meantime we live with disease and decrepitude and everything else and so we live with these paradoxes of Christianity where death to self brings life the Bible Jesus said you want to live die Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve. Service leads to greatness. Surrender leads to freedom. Self-denial results in self-fulfillment. 
and life on earth for the most part is realistic, ordinary, and relatively mundane. And even the most special people that you read and hear about on the news, the, the movie stars, the sports stars, whatever, the, the richest people eventually have to go home to mom and eat spaghetti and have mom tell them to put your jacket on because it's cold outside. Right? That's life in this world. Ordinary people. We live ordinary lives for the most part. So that's the down part of life. The up part of life for the disciples, life has its ups and downs, and something ordinary turned into something great. Jesus said, let's go pray. I don't know how excited you, you would be about that. Somebody says to you, come on, let's go pray. Let's go spend some time in, in, in prayer. Okay. And so he took Peter, James, and John with him. And it, all of a sudden, it, it turned into something great. Bible says Jesus led them up on a mountain to pray. I don't know why not the other, the other nine, but he took the three, led them up on a mountain to pray, and all of a sudden this turned into something absolutely fantastic because the Bible says Jesus was transfigured before them. And for us, sometimes great things happen when we least expect them. Psalm 30 verse 5 says that weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And even in the midst of storms, there are times of hope. The song that Hannah and Janelle for us, he is the master of the wind. He is the master of the storm. And even when life comes unglued around us and everything seems like it's coming apart, even in the midst of that, there are glimpses of hope. There are times of greatness. And sometimes those great things come out of nowhere. That's another lesson of life. And they got a glimpse of the glorified Jesus, the disciples did. The appearance of his face changed, much like Moses after he spent time in the presence of God. His clothes were as bright as a flash of lightning. I don't know, when you try and look at a flash of lightning, usually I see stars after, I, after that happens. And then Moses and Elijah appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah were two guys whose bodies were never found. The Bible says that God buried Moses somewhere because he didn't want people making a martyr site out of his grave. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Moses represents the beginning of the nation of Israel. Elijah represents the end of the nation of Israel. And they were talking to Jesus about dying about his departure, which was going to happen in Jerusalem. Those three boys, they heard, must have heard that conversation because we have it recorded in the Bible. The trouble is that they fell asleep in church. Now, it's not wrong to fall asleep in church, but the mistake that you make is trying to pretend that you didn't. Um, I did it one time, I'm holding a pen in my hand, my wife, a pen fell on the floor and my wife jabbed me with her elbow and then she snickered, I wasn't sleeping, <laughs> yes you were. And so, I, you wonder about this, these three guys and you wonder about this prayer meeting. Like Jesus took them up on the mountain to pray, why were they sleepy? Like, like, 
What were they doing? Maybe they didn't get enough sleep the night before. Those were the same three guys. Think about it. They were the same three guys that Jesus took with them into the Garden of Gethsemane. He left the nine there and took the three with them, went a little further to pray, and twice they fell asleep on him there. Like, they have a pretty poor record about falling asleep in church. When Jesus is praying... And so Peter kind of blurts out, well, you know, I wasn't sleeping, but let's, let's, let's camp here for a while. This, this feels really good. This is a neat place to be. Can we stay here? But the reality is you can't live on the mountaintop. Now Mark says that the disciples were frightened. Luke says they were sleepy. Maybe they were both. I don't know. Maybe they woke up and they were scared. And then the Bible says, a cloud enveloped them, and the Father's voice came and said, this is my son. Listen to him. And I think the Father is saying, listen, this is not about you. This is about him. This is about Jesus. And even though you may not understand the circumstances, you're privileged to sit here and watch this. You're allowed to be part of this. You're allowed to witness this. But this really isn't about you. Sometimes God does something neat and ordinary or neat and extraordinary in our lives. And it's not just necessarily about us. The tendency for you and me, though, is when we have an experience like that, is to cling to what we enjoy. We try and duplicate that. We try and bottle it. We try and, and say, well, let's Keep on doing this. We, we, we did this. It was a good experience. Let's keep on doing this because uh, it, it was fun. It was likable. It was enjoyable. It's like eating ice cream. If you were to eat ice cream for breakfast, for lunch, and for supper every day of the week, you would probably get tired of it after a while. When we were on this cruise ship uh, a year or so ago, we had, remember me telling you about warm chocolate melting cake? Remember the warm chocolate, you know, it's that warm chocolatey cake with that liquidy, fudgy filling inside, and it's got this, this dab of vanilla ice cream with it, and, and you put the two together, and, and oh, man, you want to go home now, don't you? <laughs> On a cruise, you know, our youngest grandson had warm chocolate melting cake for dessert every night except the last night because by then he was sick and tired. You get that way. You can't live on that stuff. You get that way. And the mountaintop is a great experience, but life gets lived in the valley. Why can't you live on the mountaintop? It's like going to Florida. When you're in Florida, Kathy and I had the privilege, Louise, when we visited with your son and daughter-in-law, we were in Florida at the absolute Perfect time. The last day we left, the bugs came out. You know, the, the, the Cayman Islands were a wonderful place to visit on that cruise. Gorgeous. You know all those pictures you see of that light blue water, that, that aqua-colored water, you know? It was there. And you could see 30 feet straight down, and all those nifty little colored fish are, are down there swimming around. Just, just like on the National Geographic Channel. It was fantastic. But the reality is that, that, you know, 10 years ago, the Grand Cayman Islands, or the Cayman Islands were absolutely destroyed by a hurricane. You don't want to live there. 
Great place to visit when the weather is great, but you can't live there. The mountain is a great place to visit. Maggie, shoot that mountain up on the screen. Can you kill these stage lights here, please? Yeah, all the top switches, all four of them. Perfect. This is Hudson Bay Mountain. I grew up right at the bottom of this mountain. And it was, it's just there. Uh, it's part of the beautiful Buckley Valley of where we live. And right on the left side of that mountain, just beyond where the picture ends, is a place called the Prairie. Of all things, they call it the Prairie. And that's where we skied. It was gorgeous, gorgeous skiing up there. In the middle of, of that mountain, you see Hudson Bay Glacier. Climbed up there. Shoot the next picture up there, Maggie. There's Hudson Bay Glacier. We climbed up there one time as a youth group with our Baptist church. It was a pretty good hike. And when you get up on the mountain, it's a beautiful view. Give us the next picture. You see, when you get up on the mountain, this isn't even quite to the top yet, you get a beautiful view of the Bulkley Valley. Those are the Babine Mountains in the background. Babine Lake is just on the other side of those. Next picture, please. Here's the absolute top of Hudson Bay Mountain. Isn't that a gorgeous view? But you can't live there. Why not? Why can't you live there? It's cold. It's cold, eh? And there's snow, eh? There's nothing to drink. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing to burn. You can't live there. It's a wonderful place to visit. And you can get a great perspective from there. That's Smithers down in the bottom here. That's where I lived for many years. Do we have, oh yeah, here's one of the thingies. Uh, oh, there we go. This is Taiyi Lake here. Did lots of swimming in there when I was a kid. This is my hometown right at the bottom here. This is where I grew up. This is the Bulkley River that snakes through here. The airport is right behind here, Alan. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's a wonderful place to visit but you can't live on the mountain because it's arid and sterile and all the rest of that. It's a great place to go for a visit. It's an exhilarating place to be, but you can't live there. And the reality is that we live in the valley. A number of years ago, a long, lot of years ago, Kathy and I, when we first got out of, out of Bible college, we joined Northern Canada Evangelical Mission, and we went through uh, uh, three or four months of cross-cultural training, and as part of that, we had to do um, a, a hiking, camping program. And one day, we wound up on a mountain on Vancouver Island. We climbed to the very top of this mountain, gorgeous place to be. And what they did was every, every day that we were on this on this venture on this camping venture they would put a different one of us in charge there was a staff member from one of the missions and our staff member was from arctic missions or now it's called interact and and he would put one of us in charge for the day he would say okay here's your opportunity to learn some leadership skills and uh, here's this group of people you're in charge and this particular day, one of, the, one of the other people was in charge, and she decided that we would climb this mountain. And when we were on this mountain, we were going to have a communion service, and, and, and she wanted a mountaintop experience on the mountaintop. And so we did. The trouble is that on that particular venture, 
Um, the first thing that we, we do, and, and Brian and, and I do the same thing when we take young people canoeing or Brian takes them into the mountains, you take away their watches and, and so that they couldn't tell time. And, and, you know, there was few of us that were looking at the sun and when the sun starts to go down, you got about 15 minutes per finger. Like when the sun's above the horizon, if you're at arm's length, you got about 15 minutes per finger here and, and before it gets dark. And so we're up on this mountaintop, and, and this person who's in charge is, is, you know, it's one of these long prayer meetings things. And, and we're starting to watch the sun. And we're saying, we've got 20 people up on the mountain here, and they can't stay here. It's going to be dark before long. Somebody needs to look after these people. We can't stay here. It's going to get cold tonight. And so I pulled rank. Well, I didn't pull rank, but I went to our, to our staff member, and I said, hey, listen. I said, we're going to be in trouble here, and like we could be in serious trouble. Like There, could be, there were people on, on that particular group who were not really fit to be climbing up and down mountains at night. And I said, we need to look after the welfare of the group. And he said to me, okay, you and one of the other guys who were, both of us were in fairly good shape at the time. And he said, go back down to camp. He said, uh, you guys can probably make it before dark. He says, go back to camp, get supper started. And one of you collect every flashlight we have in camp and come back up the mountain. And so we did that. You see, you can't live on the mountain. You need to live down in the valley. And down in the valley, life is gritty. Life is dirty and ugly. Life is, life is real down here. The mountaintop is an artificial place, and you and I have, have these wonderful experiences, but the reality is we live life down in the valley. This is where Jesus put us. This is where we have to live life, and we have to deal with the situations that come up. It would be great to stay up on the mountain to bottle that experience and, and, and to sell it and say, couldn't we just stay here? Yeah, we could if the sun would always shine, if the snow would never come, and if someone would bring you supper uh, and, and water and coffee and all that other fun stuff. But you can't stay here. And Jesus and his disciples, Jesus said too, listen, he said, I, I, I'm on a mission here. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And we need to have that happen. And Peter said, well, can't we just stay here for a bit? And Jesus said, no. And the Father said, no. We need to live life in the valley. And, and here's the wonderful reality, the song that Hannah and Janelle sang for us. He is the master of the wind. And even though life is gritty and the wind blows and the rain comes and, uh, and life comes unglued for us and, and, and we go through trials and tribulations and, and, and we have hiccups within our family and, and within our own personal lives and, uh, and everything else, God is still in control and he is the master of the wind. And so, you know, when you have a mountaintop experience, enjoy it. Enjoy it to the full. Get a different perspective. Uh, put it in your memory bank. Hang on to that, but recognize that you can't live here. We live down in the valley. Um, I want to pray with you, and um, then 
uh, I'm going to dismiss the service, but um, the finance people have asked that, that uh, those of you that are part of our regular EBC family stay for just a few moments, and uh, we'll do a financial update. But let me pray and uh, bring this to a halt, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are the master of the wind. And I know that life is gritty, uh, it's real. We live in a world that is groaning as if in the pains of childbirth. And we long for the day that we read about in Isaiah when a little child will lead a lion. And the lion and, and, and the lamb will lay down together and the bear and the cow. and Oh, Lord, may your kingdom come, but let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, grant us your peace. Grant us your strength, Lord, to live down in the valley. Thank you for the mountaintop, the huge experiences that we've been able to have. Thank you for your absolute blessing on us, but thank you, too, for carrying us and, and sometimes dragging us through the hard times of life because we know that our days, our lives, everything we have in our is in your hand, and we're okay with that. In Jesus' name, amen.